Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. Uh, man, it's been an eventful week for me, to say the least. Uh, more so, I'm just happy that, uh, you know, I had some in and out tonight. Uh, that's always, you know, th that's a Southern California staple and something that, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of our friends in Chicago who are listening to this podcast don't get to enjoy. Uh, but, you know, that, that really, uh, that really uh, brought up my night a little bit. Good, good food. Yeah, man. I mean, luckily we got the Portillos out here, but I know that mm. don't you guys have some Portillos locations out in uh, California? Dude, we have one. A lot of people don't know that there is one Portillos in Orange County. Uh, it's in an area called Buena Park. Buena Park. Uh, it's it's really it's it's not as good because it's not as fresh. But I'll tell you this: there's never a line. Whenever I go, there is never a line there. Unlike the Portillos in Chicago. Yeah. Um. You know, still still good. Get get yourself a little taste of Chicago, I guess. Yeah, I guess the rest of the Californians don't really quite understand. I mean, that's a that's a certain treat that they're missing out on. There, the line should be around the block. You know, <laughs> right? the The confusing thing is that Portillo's in Buena Park. It's right next to a place called Porto's, literally right next to each other, which makes everything extremely confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, they're literally right next to each other. Yeah, um, and they're like, "Oh, you have the same owner?" No, just. Can just we thought it was convenient to uh, to be seated right next to each other. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. In and out, definitely a little jealous. I mean, I have to admittedly say, never had it in my life as a, as a true Midwesterner mm. would uh, would say, right? I mean, never had it. Stuck to the old steak and shake, which honestly is just oh, oh man, yeah, that's yeah, bad. So you, <laughs> you know, you know, here this one, this one, I'll tell you, steak and shake. It can be okay. It can be. It, it really depends. <laughs> There's a chance like, that you might be satisfied with what you get. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. I went to a steak and shake one time with one of my friends, uh, which Reese, you actually know him. I'll tell you who after the show. Okay. Um, I, I, uh, I went to a steak and shake with one of my friends and uh, <laughs> he ordered a vegetable soup. <laughs> okay. At steak and shake. He ordered vegetable soup and the, the, the server literally said, uh, no one has ever ordered <laughs> this here. <laughs> I really recommend you don't have it. <laughs> That is too good, man. I, I love the honesty too. <laughs> like you're probably... like straight, like that was almost word for word exactly what he said. He said no one has ever ordered that here. We have no idea how to make it, and we really recommend you don't have it. <laughs> you're like, look, look, you're gonna be really underwhelmed with what you get. You know, like yeah, yeah. You are what, not. What type of order is that? Is vegetable soup? You know, like how how bad does a vegetable <laughs> soup have to be where you don't recommend it? Like also in comparison to like the other stuff that's on there on their menu, you know, this really steak and shake. The only like okay thing is the shakes. The shakes can be okay, you know, they they can be decent. Um, <clears throat> but man, yeah, I mean. The, they to to be at a steak and shake where an employee is visually taken aback by your order. <laughs> that is that, that you need to do some self reflecting after that. Yeah, man. I mean, oh wow. Uh, we could sit here and talk about steak and shake all damn day. I mean, uh, from In and Out to Portillo's to Steak and Shake. I guess that kind of sets the theme for uh, what we're talking about. Obviously, mostly OTA stuff. I mean, the NFL season has. It's fired up a bit. I mean, 
at, at least for us people that are following football, I think OTAs are you're know, not quite as close to the start of the season, but it's a little bit like pitchers and catchers reporting. Although you know, mm-hmm. not 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 quite, you know, because we're not that close. But you know, OTAs getting the people in the door, everyone except Allen Robinson in this case, as far as the offensive side of the ball goes. Um, but overall, you know, some good news, some some bad news. I know that. One of the things I overheard on sports radio, I'm really not a big listener of it anymore. I used to be a, a very long time, um, six, seven to score listener. Lawrence Holmes was mm-hmm. always my guy. Um, but I'd say that one of the bigger storylines that they're talking about, which I think is really just trying to make news out of absolutely nothing, was the fact that people feel like uh, Fields jumped fulls on the depth chart since <laughs> Foles had to miss a day of, of OTAs and... I think kind of the point there again is like when was Foles ever over Fields on the depth chart? You know, like this is yeah. really such a non-story. So I guess if that kind of that's what's being pushed around in the media, there's really not anything too hot going on. But which is interesting because there's been a few couple important things that have happened. Yeah, you know, it, gosh, I mean, we really are at that time of the year where it's like even the most minuscule things uh, appear important. Um, you know, I think it is that with the murmurings that the bears might be sold, which I guess isn't a minuscule thing, but at the same time, we don't have much concrete evidence yet that that's going to be the case. Um, but uh, man, as far as, as, uh, you know, Justin Fields being ahead of Nick Foles, while I do want to say that it's good because someone like a Jordan Love on the Packers wasn't able to be even the second screen, string quarterback the entirety of his first year in the NFL. Um, you know, it. the one thing that I can say is there, the Bears are not so intent on sitting uh, Justin Fields that they are willing to uh, put him at the third string. In other words, if Andy Dalton gets injured, they're okay with starting him, which I guess is good. But at the same time, it's like, he, I mean, I, I want to see him beat out Andy Dalton. <laughs> you don't want to see him sitting at that at that second uh, string quarterback spot. He, he won't be. Uh, I, I've honestly kind of switched my course as far as when I think Justin Fields is going to start. Um, you know, I think really the realistic time frame is after the first couple of weeks, you know, maybe halfway through the season, but I'm almost certain at this what, what's point. What's week in preseason? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's interesting, though, because there are kind of murmurings that the quarterback competition is very much on. Now it's not so much like, you know, just Dalton is at least starting the first couple of weeks. I mean, it sounds like there's a very real chance that Justin Fields, if he really shows out in camp and proves that he's the one that, you know, he might be the one out there, you know, week one. So, uh, you know, maybe, man, I would maybe hope this so. is way more open than we originally thought. I, I would hope so, but I almost feel like the quarterback competition is off right now, personally. Like, I feel like they are just trying to gift Andy Dalton the starting role to maybe validate the the signing of him, potentially. Or, I mean, it, I, I personally don't have an issue with sitting rookies for the first little bit. I mean, we saw Justin Herbert sit to us at a lot. Um, did Joe, Joe Burrow didn't ever sit though. He, he was nope. a day one starter, wasn't he? No. Yeah, he was. He was a week one. Yep. 
Okay, yeah. So, you know, Joe Burrow, but I mean, he didn't really have anybody to compete against. I mean, he didn't really have anybody even as good as like an Andy Dalton on the roster. Um, obviously, they like the the Bengals let go of Dalton uh, almost immediately after they drafted Burrow. Didn't want him um, to feel the heat, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't need that he, kind of pressure <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, it, I mean, I just think that, um, you know, it's 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 i guess positive but again we're we're just digging for news at this point um in other news though alan robinson uh, a lot of people are also making a big deal out of this i don't think it's a very big deal uh alan robinson is the only offensive bear not at otas so pretty much everyone from the defense didn't show up that's a starter uh, besides roquan smith but alan robinson was the only offensive starter not at OTAs. And I guess the reason why people are kind of making this out to be a bigger deal than it probably is, um, is the fact that, uh, you know, Alan Robinson had this whole contract fallout kind of situation with the franchise tag. He's not very happy playing on it. Um, and who could really blame him? You know, he's really, uh, kind of proven himself but to be fair he's probably making a lot more money on this franchise tag this year than he would have uh not being on it do you think that there's anything big about this uh i i personally tend to stand on the side that's just like they're voluntary you know they're 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 not and if you're a good player i mean most good players don't show up to otas there are a few you know roquan smith obviously did um and it is good to see the entire offense there but you know, Alan Robinson not necessarily making a big deal about him not being there. Yeah, I'm really not worried about it. Like he said, OTA is voluntary. Um, you know, Alan Robinson has proved, asserted himself within this team, clearly the number one wide receiver. I'm really not the slightest bit worried unless he doesn't, like if he doesn't report to camp, then maybe I'll be like, eh, you know, maybe there actually is something going on here. And I wouldn't really truly raise a stink about it if we get to, like, the regular season. He's not practicing with the team before the first game. You know, if it comes down to that, that, I mean, obviously it's pretty clear that he's holding out. But, you know, and if he doesn't show up to training camp, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's a holdout move as well. But, I, like I said, like you said, I don't see that happening because he's not that type of player. At least it doesn't come off to me that way. I mean, he does mm-hmm. deserve a contract. But as you said, I mean, he didn't really necessarily get a bad deal on the franchise tag. And if he balls out this year, then the Bears either, well, I guess what? You can technically tag a person twice, right? That's kind of what the where it stands. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess either they could tag twice. him again, which then he could, you know, kind of rightfully hold out. Or, you know, they're going to be faced to, to give him a nice contract. So. Yeah, I'm not really overly worried. Um, voluntary OTAs, you know, he's not really missing anything crucial here, <laughs> except maybe yeah. some extra reps with Fields or, you know, any of the quarterbacks. But, you know, he's going to get those in plenty in training camp and preseason. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I guess the bigger question mark is with the quarterback situation, uh, how exactly that's going to go. Um, and that's really the only thing he's probably going to be losing. But, again, yeah, training camp's right around the corner. Um, you know, th- this is technically voluntary, and I think we need to keep that in perspective. Uh, in other news for uh, Chicago Bears wide receiver, Daz Newsome 
broke his collarbone uh, on the first day of voluntary OTAs. Hey, this could kind of give us a little context as to why Allen Robinson might not want to be there. Uh, you know, there, there is a risk whenever you step onto the even the practice field, you know, uh, and it's unfortunate that Daz Newsom breaks his collarbone. He's only expected to be out eight weeks, so he's uh, going to be there for training camp start, which is pretty insane. I I feel like if I broke my collarbone, I'd be like, hey, maybe give me 10 weeks. But uh, eight weeks is just how it goes in the NFL, it appears. He's going through surgery, too, which is kind of insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think technically, at least from what I read on it, like a collarbone break has a lot to do with, you know, how clean it was. And since his was a really clean break, um, I guess that's why you see such a short recovery time. And I I think kind of just from what I know a little about collarbone injuries is that, you know, surprisingly, they don't take as long to heal. I mean, I would definitely think that would be like, damn, if you broke your collarbone, you know, not only is that painful, which I, you know, I imagine it is. But I would think mm-hmm. that there'd be quite a bit of recovery, especially be able to use like your shoulder since it's kind of like inter interconnected and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just the mental block, right? It's like how confident mm-hmm. is he to to lean on that side that he broke on, you know, drop his shoulder. You know, he might he might be a little less inclined to to be a little more physical with it. So I guess kind of the main thing is probably getting him up and ready to go and making sure that he's, you know, ready to play football at, you know, a hundred percent, not only just, you know, physically, but mentally as well. Um, obviously it's, it's very unfortunate that he has to miss out the rest of OTAs and take the time to recover, but also fortunate that he'll make it back by training camp. I mean, that's to have that kind of timetable for recovery and not necessarily miss anything. that's extremely crucial. I don't see him as someone that's potentially going to get cut. I definitely see him making it on mm-hmm. the team. So I think this isn't necessarily make or break for him, and I hope that the Bears don't necessarily rush him back too soon, which, you know, I don't imagine they will, but you never quite know. Overall, I mean, it's kind of like mixed, right? You're like, ah, it's a real bummer to hear it, but then you kind of, I guess, see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, well, in like eight weeks or so, when they're in uh, Lake Forest and Hallis Hall practicing, he'll be, he'll be right there with them. Exactly, and uh, you know, I th- I think that if there is a time to break your collarbone, this is kind of the time to do it. Um, it's probably it's gonna probably hamper his rookie year a little bit. I can imagine. I'm sure he's gonna be dealing with some residual pain. Um, it, you know, it's difficult coming back from injuries as someone who has had a couple, you know, relatively even kind of relatively minor injuries. You know, I've had a couple pretty bad ankle sprains. I had one grade three sprain that was pretty terrible, um, and that. I mean, that really gave me a lot of respect for what these athletes go through. I mean, even thinking how these guys will tear through an ACL and and come back the next season is pretty insane. Uh, I'm interested to see Tariq Cohen in training camp kind of because of that. You know, I hope that he hasn't lost a little bit of his explosiveness. You know, obviously the first year back from an ACL players don't tend to be that productive. Um, But, you know, I just I, I hope he... Uh, is able to really pick up where he left off, I should say. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, other running back news that I actually think we should talk about a little bit is David Montgomery said that he was actually, I think he said it today. He said he was not happy with the way he played in 2020. And which is weird because I feel like a lot of Bears fans were like, he was the bright spot of the team, but I think he still has kind of like the recognition. He f- he said specifically that he felt like he left, he let his teammates down at times. Um, I guess good to see that drive out of him. But how, I mean, first off, how did you feel about David Montgomery's 2020 season? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a, a career year for him so far. I, I was pleased with his performance. I think that, you know, maybe where a little bit of that improvement could come from is just I know that he's someone that's been praised for his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and all that. It's just getting him maybe a little more involved in the passing game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's no, like, Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, luckily the Bears are, you know, they're not loaded with weapons. but have a few more weapons. They don't have to lean on someone that heavily. But I think maybe you know someone like David Montgomery feels like he can really pull even a heavier load than he's already been tasked with, and just you know can really be that guy. And you know I'm not gonna lie. I mean, there's a, a little bit. You know, I'd be lying if I said I, I still don't feel like we could, or if I said you know I didn't feel like there's a little bit more that we could see out of David Montgomery. You know, I don't think that mm-hmm. we've seen his ceiling at all, and I think it's just him pushing for that ultimately. Um, and right, part of that is like the competitive side, like you said, you know, just push the drive that he has and good for him. It's that kind of mentality that's going to keep him relevant in the league for, you know, longer time than, you know, some other running backs. But yeah, I think maybe he's being a little overcritical of himself, but, you know, I'd be lying if, you know, I was saying that that was everything I ever want to see out of David Montgomery. I think mm-hmm. that there's a little bit extra in his game. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be the, the speedy or quick uh, back that, you know, I'd like to see a little bit in his game because that would make him kind of like the perfect running back, right? If he was able to add just mm-hmm. a little bit more getaway speed um, than he currently has. But, you know, he's just never really going to be that person. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what you're saying is exactly right. Um, I think, it, you know, I think he had a good 2020, but there was certainly times where you'd see it, just the run game go completely dead. Uh, so it was a little hot and cold, I guess, the way you could describe it. If he could some take what he was doing towards the end of the season and put together an entire season of that, I mean, man, that would be so good for this team. And a lot of, you know, his downsides weren't really his fault. I mean, obviously, I like that he's not saying, oh, yeah, it was the offensive line's fault. But let's be honest here. A lot of the time, David Montgomery was running into nothing. You know, he didn't have any gaps to run through. He didn't have really anything uh, to, to, to work with. And, and it's difficult, especially when you have a passing game that is just so bad uh, for most of the season that puts more pressure on the run game. You know, you have to hope that with Justin Fields or even with Andy Dalton that we can have a little bit more consistency out of that passing game, um, maybe some improvements along the offensive line. Uh, and that, that I think, alone will help him have a much greater season. Not to mention, I mean, there's been a little bit of videos floating out online he looks a lot quicker in training camp and it looks like he got a little bit quicker last year. And it seems like that, that little extra bit of speed uh, has been added on as well uh, this year. Um, and he was, you know, catching some good passes from Justin Fields. Um, man, I, I, you know, I like David Montgomery a lot. I've always been a big fan of him. Uh, I was very happy when the bears drafted him. I actually got to see him in person um, at an Iowa state game. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was great. You know, he, he's also a great person on top of everything else. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope he has a good year. Yeah, of course. I hope he has a great year and, and yeah, he definitely has gotten a little bit quicker. I think that he can only really make, you know, incremental improvements. And I think it definitely does help his game. Um, but you know, he's going to need to continue to work on it throughout his career. And I know that he does work on it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's someone that works with like speed and agility coaches Mm -hmm. quite frequently. Lots. Yeah. Um, so which is what he probably needs the most. Yeah. And and, you know, he, uh, he definitely understands the fault in his, his game too. I mean, it's not something that's, you know, hidden in there. I mean, it's right there for you. I will say that agility wise, I mean, he's usually 
quite good, at least agile enough to shake, you know, the first person or, or, you know, not let them, you know, get like a solid tackle on him. So I think that's really paid off in that, right? Um, and hopefully he can keep building on it into into 2021. I think he's got a, a good long career with him as a bear if he wants it. Um, and, and I think that, you know, at least you and I are welcome to have him around. I mean, there's, there's a difference between what him and, and Howard um, mm-hmm. were. I mean, he's even though neither of them were ever anyone that was going to run away from anyone, um, and, and they do have their similarities and also you know differences in their game. And and luckily, you know, the differences in Montgomery's game is that he makes up for it um, with kind of being more of a, a multi-dimensional player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's why I I do feel like if he could get a little bit quicker, that would really be the best benefit to his game. You know, hitting the gaps a little bit harder or a little bit quicker, I should say. You know, by by no means he's one of those players where he's he's quick and he's kind of twitchy, but at the same time, he doesn't really have that top end speed. Um, and I think you know if he can just get it a little bit better, uh, man, he can be probably one of the best backs in the league. Truthfully, at least the top ten, I should say. Um, you know, I, I have very high expectations for David Montgomery, and also I think having Khalil Herbert, a little bit of balance. Uh, Damian Williams, you know, super, should have been Super Bowl MVP. They call him. Uh, having him could add a little bit of balance to his game as well. Uh, we also kind of forget that he was really like the only running back we had uh, last year. Um, what was we that? Can just cut that off. Either someone's shooting or they're fireworks. Oh, they're fireworks. Jesus. I hear them going. Okay. On. Okay. But moving on, a lot <laughs> of people from, are. Aside from, aside the, blast, from the gunshots. Aside, aside from the blast of fireworks outside. Um, yeah. That's basically all we can say about David Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. He's so explosive as uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Chicago Bears, a lot of people are concerned. There was a report that came out today that they're essentially guaranteeing Dalton. Andy Dalton, the starting job week one. And, you know, this obviously rightfully has ruffled some feathers. Um, and, you know, I it's one of those things where it's like, why would you even guarantee someone that? Maybe they're just trying to keep him happy. Maybe he has a little bit of issues with the fields pick. We don't really know. But at the end of the day, uh, there's been a lot that came out that the Chicago Bears have guaranteed Andy Dalton to be the week one job. I didn't really go in after that saying the specifics and that, but uh, man, how would you feel about that? Because personally, I would, I think I'd be a little bit upset. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I've kind of gotten like just used to the idea of having Andy Dalton be the week one starter. I'm not going to throw a fit about it. I I think that fields would have some benefit sitting, but then again, like we know where his his talents are, we know where his shortfalls are, and um, you know, I'm not too upset with the idea of Andy Dalton as the starter. I mean, I guess I've kind of gotten used to it, um, and, and I think that maybe Fields would serve some benefit, you know, sitting and, and watching, but at the same time, you know, he's just not quite that type of quarterback. Like I get it with certain you know people. I understand why Mahomes kind of had that because it was a transition piece between you know college and the system that he ran at texas tech and you know with you know the system he was going into at kansas city i mean it was it was different but you know fields is a little bit i think we kind of drew more parallels to him and i hate qb comparisons i mean i'll be the first one to say that but i think mm-hmm. that deshaun watson you know 
didn't really necessarily, he wasn't someone that needed to be sat for his first season. He was still incredibly productive. And I could see Justin Fields being the same in that right. I mean, just both in the way that they approach the game. I think that, you know, Fields is probably someone that's going to learn from experience and, and playing the game. And there's only so mm-hmm. much that practice reps can, can teach you or, or sitting there on game day and watching Dalton play. I mean, ultimately, what is he going to learn from Dalton other than being a pocket passer? And, and that there are some skills that will be applicable there, but they're both going to approach the game in a very different way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Dalton, you kind of know, the, here's the biggest, the only re- reason why I would want Fields not to start is that if they don't feel like he has the offense fully yet, I am in no rush to put Fields out there. But at the same time, if he's ready to start, you might as well get those reps, you know, you might as well like get him in a place where he could be successful for next year. Um, and as far as learning the playbook, that's very important. But what's also important is, you know, it's actually playing. It's actually getting those on the field reps. Those are all both extremely important. Um, so really at the end of the day, I think that we need to push fields to start um, as long as it doesn't come at the cost of making sure he's ready. You know, and I think that's kind of probably where Nagy is at. It was funny because there was a conflicting report saying that fields could start very early on still uh, very early on in the season. I'm I'm honestly fine with Andy Dalton having the starting job week one and even week two and even week three. But once it starts getting past like three, four games and stuff, like then is that's when I'd really like to see Fields start personally. Yeah, I I I think that you know ultimately with where Fields is at, I think that ultimately where it comes from is just I think a lot of people aren't necessarily worrying that Fields is going to be a flop, but I think that people have just seen this narrative so many times where, you know, Bears draft a quarterback, and it's just, it's Trubisky. It's like recency bias, and, mm-hmm. and people see what works with, you know, Mahomes, and they think it's, you know, that's the way to do it 100%, and they're scared to watch Justin Fields go out there and fail. Like, mm-hmm. they're scared to see him maybe go out there and struggle I think there's this thought that goes around that if he goes out there and struggle, he's going to break his confidence. He's just not going to be the same same person. And I guess that's a valid point, but I think it just comes from a very negative standpoint. I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately where it comes from. People are scared to watch I think him. it's worrying. I think it's more worrying about like what happened to Trubisky happening to Fields. Yeah, I, I think that... It's it's not a new narrative. I mean, the idea mm-hmm. of Bears ruining quarterbacks is what's built this team's history. <laughs> a little bit of PTSD. Yeah, exactly. And it's fair. It's fair. But at the same time, it's like, are we going to unnecessarily coddle him? Are we going to give him this, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to give him half a season to sit there and watch? And, and what is he going to take away? He's going to learn how Andy Dalton no. plays quarterback. And it's not going to tell. Much. It's not going to tell him a damn thing about how Justin Fields is going to play quarterback <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. And, and you're right. If he's not ready to run the offense, then don't start him. But uh, as you said, if he is ready to step in, he understands the offense. He's ready to go. He's confident in himself. The only thing that's ultimately stopping you from playing him at quarterback is that you're worried that the same thing is going to happen, and you're mm-hmm. worried that he is going to fail. So, and I feel like I feel like it's almost like a lose lose for the Chicago Bears because yeah, yeah, if they start him 
if they start him and he's like going through the rookie struggles, I feel like a lot of fans are going to be like, oh my God, here we go again. But if they do, if they don't start him, then there's going to be the other side of the fan base that is like, well, he must suck then, you know, <laughs> like, like the, it's a lose, lose. I mean, the bears have been playing this lose, lose quarterback game for a long time. And to a certain degree, they kind of deserve the, the criticism they get. But at the same time, it's like, come on guys. Like, it's it needs to be it's not it doesn't need to be one or the other it doesn't need to be he starts instantly or he starts not the entire season it can be this kind of in between i would just like for my own sake and like this podcast sake that we uh we just only have to deal with it for a certain period of time uh with andy dalton starting i should say um and that we can see fields because i'm gonna tell you this the bears are gonna look a lot more fun under justin fields so from the fans perspective selfishly i'm like okay put him out there because i'm excited and you know everything like that but i just want whatever's best for justin fields and for the long term of this franchise primarily yeah i mean i, I damn well know that like the first time the Bears dip below 500, you know, if they're one and two, mm-hmm. three and four, you know that that's when when it starts coming out. I mean, it, it could mm-hmm. for as long as the Bears want to stretch it out. That's going to be what the narrative is. Ultimately, there's no stopping it. Like this is just the Bears have attached themselves to this narrative now. Um, it, it and it's a great thing that they drafted Justin Fields. You know, whatever we said about it being a lose-lose, that doesn't matter. I mean, the team ultimately made a, what I believe will be a great decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I can see the fan perspective. I can see the team perspective. I mean, you know, the Bears bring a lot of these problems on themselves by being so bad. I, like, they're really, the Bears are very well media trained. And even mm-hmm. even all of their veterans but since like the Fox era, I mean, it's been like this for a long time. Oh yeah. I mean, you can even just watch some of these former players still won't necessarily talk bad on the team. Like, you know, when it came to the Trubisky era, you know, when certain former players would go on certain, you know, sports TV shows, they would take a very neutral position. You know, they're being very, Mm -hmm. you know, sticking to, you know, it's the bears, you know, I'm not necessarily going to disrespect them kind of position. And, you know, not all players took that route. I mean, there's definitely players that speak out in other ways. But I, I think that, you know, even though the Bears do come off as being so well media trained, sometimes they just make some very bad media decisions. I mean, they just, like you said, why even bother proclaim Andy Dalton as your QB1? What, was, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> was that needed in order to sign him? If so, then, like, maybe we just shouldn't have signed him. You know, I understand yeah. the, the idea that drafting, or drafting, Jesus, that signing Dalton somehow made it less suspecting that they're going to draft a quarterback, which is a whole mirage that I don't know what kind of cool way people were drinking in order to, to believe that, that, you know, even with Andy yeah. Dalton, this team wasn't drafting or looking for a <laughs> But um, We are set. <laughs> we got our guy. But um, it's just like, why, why do that? You know, you bring so much unnecessary attention and, and heat to yourself. And, and that's why we're in this. We're going to be talking about this quarterback competition for as long as Justin Fields doesn't see the field. Yeah, uh, that's going to be kind of unfortunate. So I guess the the bigger question is, does Dalton have a longer leash or a shorter leash than Mitchell Trubisky had going into last year? Because with Mitch, it was like, 
I mean, if we're being honest, it was really like the first signs of struggles that he was just like pulled. Like, it was almost like Nagy was like hoping to pull him. Like Nagy was just like ready to be done with this, like this, this Trubisky experiment that, that has been going on for too many years that went on for too many years. It seemed like Nagy was just super excited, even for Nick Foles, which now we know is QB three. Um, what do you think, Grace? Yeah, I think you almost kind of led to the unexciting answer. I think that he has probably about as long as Alicia's Foles did. Um, not yeah. not incredibly similar quarterbacks. I mean, they kind of are. They're not the most mobile, but um, different in how they go about their processes. But I, I think that he's given about the same time span. If it just gets so pitifully bad on offense where it's just like, you can't even stand to watch it. <laughs> I think the decision's <laughs> going to be made pretty clear. I mean, I would love if the leash mm-hmm. was about as short as Mike Glennon. <laughs> yeah, know? right. I, I, I would be in favor of that. I don't think it would be quite as short as Trubisky at the beginning of 2020. Um, but I could see it being somewhat similar to um, Nick Foles because I feel like that's what the situation almost already feels like. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, Trubisky, when Trubisky got taken out, I was almost set that he was never coming back and playing quarterback for the Bears. And I, I think there's a lot of other Bears podcasters, analysts that certainly felt that way. I think there's even a couple that said it on our own podcast, you know, that mm-hmm. as soon as soon as Trubisky gets sad, he's not coming back. But then that reality really kind of crept back in. I think that's very much kind of what's coming in this situation, that Foles was a stopgap guy. Dalton is a stopgap guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's just how long are you going to put up if Dalton comes out here and the offense is just flat, you know, just like they were from like what week four to to week 11 like of last to- like, season. Yeah, like 11, 12, something like that. You know, if they're just that flat, you, you just can't even I mean, they can't they can afford to. I mean, the Bears can continue to sell the seats, but the fan pressure is going to be so much if that offense is struggling that bad. Where you're looking back and you're going, okay, Fields is, no matter what, is just going to make this more entertaining. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what it's going to come down to. So, yeah, I, I think he's got a similar leash to Foles, so probably longer than Trubisky did, um, just because he is established. He is a veteran. Um, we already know what we're getting out of him. But if he can't even perform up to kind of the, the mediocre expectations that people have him right now, the, the pressure will be on for sure. Yeah, and we can only, I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether to hope that Dalton succeeds or, I guess, fails. I think, like, a lot of fans are kind of hoping that he fails. But at the same time, I can't deny the benefit of, like, really giving a quarterback uh, a comfortable place to to stay while they learn. You know, I think there's certainly benefits to that. Maybe they don't need to be so comfortable like Jordan Love where he might have to wait three years or that was the projection at least three four years um but have them in a comfortable spot i mean we cannot deny you know with patrick mahomes what alex smith did for him truthfully alex smith really helped him a lot um and i just i i think that it's it would be wonderful if dalton could be an alex smith like quarterback for the chicago bears or at least alex smith back in what was that 2017 yeah um you know where he he was good alex smith was good in 2017 a lot of people forget about that i guess that defeats my whole argument because you know alex smith and patrick mahomes aren't necessarily extremely similar quarterbacks either probably more alike than Mm. you know um 
Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, every situation is unique. Um, drawing the parallel to, I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Austin. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm I, I think a lot of a lot of fans a lot of fans look at you know what worked well for one team in one circumstance and love to draw like a, a huge like way like overtying thing that's like way too broad in general saying that this is the way mm-hmm. it should work for quarterbacks in the league now mm-hmm. well, it's just not the case i mean there's plenty and of if we're talking if if we're i'm sorry to interrupt you but if we're talking about like quarterback comparisons yeah you're right justin fields is a lot more like deshaun watson you know a guy that's ready to start immediately he's not like a patrick mahomes where you look at him and you're like i mean trey lance is more like a patrick mahomes type talent where it's like he might have it he might not you know that's really how a lot of people are kind of revisionist in the way that they talk about Patrick Mahomes when he came out people are like this guy's a three-year project you know he's gonna need to sit for a while um and that's not Fields and Fields is also not Trubisky Fields is a lot more ready than Trubisky by a lot um and if if we look at the latest comparison what happened with Deshaun Watson he started nearly immediately yeah People forget, and I think that, you know, this basically wraps up what I have to say about rookie quarterbacks. But people forget, you know, someone like Peyton Manning started year one, kind of had like a 50-50. I believe, you know, at the time, it was broken by Herbert, but had the most touchdown passes by a rookie, but also set the benchmark for the most interceptions by a rookie. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. overall, it was a positive season. It was clear that he was going to be the quarterback of the future and that, you know, the team was his at that point. But, you know, rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's almost scary when they don't <laughs> struggle mightily because you look at someone like Justin Herbert, and you're like, oh, man, could he have a big sophomore slump? I mean, I think Herbert's going to be a great quarterback, but it's just kind of what's on your mind. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so how come nothing went wrong? <laughs> you know, it's all. And to, to be fair, like guys like Deshaun Watson kind of did have rookie slumps even i mean patrick mahomes actually did start i think like one game at towards the end of the kansas state Chiefs season in his first year and he was not impressive truthfully he just wasn't that impressive and you saw what happened in his second year guy like lamar jackson started his rookie year again wasn't super impressive i think people saw why he was drafted by them but it's not like he made these big waves i mean really when we talk about guys like yeah, really, when we talk about guys like Justin Herbert and uh, Deshaun Watson, they're the the rarities. You know, they're they're the they're the oddballs of the group. And yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have a, a quarterback that instantly succeeds. But if we have that mindset going into this, we're going to set Justin Fields up to fail. Yeah, man, I remember thinking with uh, Lamar Jackson. I remember watching that playoff game against the Chargers and being like, "This man is." Is doomed, dude. He can't throw a yeah. goddamn pass. Had like 16 yards uh-huh. passing, um, three fumbles or something. Yeah, fumbling, fumbling everywhere. I was like, this is the easiest man to figure out. Just blitz him all day. But clearly, it, it hasn't been that simple. And it shows you what it takes. Also, on the side of the coaching staff to make sure that Josh Allen too. Josh Allen is is another good example. I mean, he wasn't god awful his rookie year, but he wasn't like anyone that you thought would even in developing to what he is today. Um, I think which, he, I honestly compare his rookie year to similar to Trubisky's, if I'm being completely honest. Like I, his rookie year was super uninspiring to me. It was like, okay, you know, you can see why they drafted him, but at the same time, his accuracy is off, you know. Maybe it's the team around him. We don't really know. He didn't put up great stats. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of compare them to that. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's fair. I mean, ultimately we're just going to have to, I mean, just like everything else, I mean, it's going to be an interesting training camp. I mean, it's certainly going to be a headline of the whole thing. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting to follow. The training camp is going to be fun this year. It seems like it always is for Bears. There's always some kind of drama going on in the offseason, at least in recent years, that, mm-hmm. you know, we have to pay attention to. And, you know, just like last year, the question is the quarterback. Um, you know, the riddle of 2018 and 2019 has been solved. We got our kicker. Um, so that that's mm-hmm. great news. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it's going to be a wild ride um, from training camp to the minute that Justin Fields starts. And from there, you know, a new chapter is going to going to start in this Bears franchise. It's going to be unbelievably exciting to at least have the pleasure of covering covering that. I think that at the very least, Austin, and I feel feel blessed uh, <laughs> in the sense of the word that we are getting to get some kind of new Bears football. I mean, if it was another yeah. year at Trubisky another year of foals um it, it was gonna be a, kind of a rough year to cover i think that... I'm, a, I'm gonna be honest like straight up halfway through the season i was whenever we'd get on the podcast i'd just be miserable <laughs> like talking about it It was the same issues every week and we literally it. talked about the same thing every single week and i think every single one of our listeners listened to the same issues every single week <laughs> um really quickly before we move on to our last topic uh, did you see that the Lions head coach showed up to his press conference in a racing helmet? I did not. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to send you a picture of this real quick and uh, get an instant reaction from Reese. Let's see. Good old Dan Campbell, man. I'm actually probably going to be in favor of this. You know, I'm a big, big fan of racing uh, motorsports, more, more on the European side of things, but. Well, you you are going to be presently surprised. Here you go. I'm gonna be absolutely going to be floored by this. Huh? Okay, it's 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 not delivered yet, but okay, it's on the way through. It's right oh, wow. there now. Yeah, that, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with this guy? <laughs> what is what is going on? If he doesn't turn out well, this is going to have to be probably one of the funniest like stints in it's almost like i'm a you know he's the tim tebow of coaches Jeez, you know he's the guy that everyone's going to talk about but not for the right reasons you know (laughs) um and it's it's just funny he's talking about buying off kneecaps now he's wearing a helmet to the press conference man i i it's definitely a change from matt patricia but like Man, gosh, is it the right kind of change? That's what we yeah, were all asking. <laughs> change isn't necessarily always good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so finally, let's move on to our last topic. The Bears uh, met with Morgan Moses, uh, right tackle from Washington, has been a starting right tackle for the past like seven years. Um, all, all Started all 16 games during that time frame. Uh, he was the 18th highest rated tackle in the NFL last year, uh, per PPF, which we all know how, you know, their stuff is. Um, so always never, miss yeah, a beat. yeah, <laughs> never miss a beat. Um, anyways, 
Uh, so the, the Bears met with Morgan Moses yesterday. He stayed in Chicago today. I don't know where the status of it is currently. He said They said he's looking for a contract somewhere in the $7 million a year range. Uh, and the meeting was supposedly very productive. So he stayed the extra day. So we should be getting some news, I would say, within the next day or so, whether or not he's going to sign with us or if he's going to continue to do other visits. Um, but, you know... I'm excited for that, man. I think that would be such a great addition, really round out the offseason. The Bears got a cap bonus of about $10 million um, from the release of, uh, of uh, Charles Leno Jr. and then some other cuts that were designated post-June 1st cuts. The funny thing is that Charles Leno Jr. actually signed in Washington. So it's kind of weird. We'd essentially be like swapping tackles with them, but you know, we kind of need a right tackle. I think having Tevin Jenkins on the left side and then Morgan Moses on the right side would make me a lot more confident in this line than having Effetti on the right side. Yeah. I think they should make him a left tackle. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I, it would definitely be a good ad uh, and would really sure up this line. I mean, it's not, you know, a huge ad it's not like a a top five ad um but at the same time i think it's kind of the additions that the bears need to be making along this line you don't need to make the huge splashy lineman additions i mean it, it can be nice to have one of those elite tackles in the league but you know at that price range that it's gonna sure up this offensive line um, and give you another player and also allow a fetty to be someone that's more um, slotted to depth or push him back to guard. So it gives you increased flexibility. So overall, I mean, yeah, I would be in support of the move. I think that, you know, he, he would obviously bring value to this offense. I think the offensive line is still something that needs another piece or two um, for mm -hmm. me to really feel confident in it. And ensuring up that right tackle spot since Tevin Jenkins isn't going to be playing it, you know, seems like a good place to start. Absolutely. Well, man, this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, I think we're going to end up wrapping up the show here, guys. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in again. This is obviously a little bit of a shorter episode. We're coming at you guys a little bit earlier in the week than we typically do, uh, but we really appreciate you guys so much. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a great season. We're excited. I'm excited to see Justin Fields. Um, other than that, man, do you have anything else to say? No, not at the moment. Um, it's going to be exciting to get up into training camp, but at the moment, uh, I think that we've worked all the angles that we can. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. We're looking forward to having some additional news to cover, and uh, bear down, guys. Bear down.